Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It is a different Thursday today, but we're certainly doing our best to lighten your mood. So let's go out to the phone line as we do every single Thursday with our ESPN MLB insider and Randolph Center Vermont native Buster Oldie. Buster, how are you? I'm hanging in there, Brady. How are you doing? Yeah, let's let's get to baseball and uh, let's get to the labor stuff. I got some some hopefully better stuff to talk about after, but Monday seemed like a good day. You even tweeted out that the tone was better. Tuesday seemed a little worse, and Wednesday seemed really bad. So where are we now? Well, they haven't moved at all. If you think of it like a football field and you know two sides trying to meet at the 50-yard line, what we've seen so far in these talks this week is one team will or one side will say, yeah, we're moving from the goal line to the three-yard line. Mm-hmm. And the other side will go, well, we're going to move from the three-yard line to the four-yard line. Like they're not close to meeting in the center. Uh, and that's pretty discouraging. And Major League Baseball making clear yesterday that if uh, there's not a deal by Monday, that the start of the regular season is going to be delayed, games are going to be lost. I would say this, um, and, and you know, I, I feel like that the owners need to take a big step forward in these negotiations. And, and for lack of a better way to describe it, they need to be magnanimous because they've taken up so much uh, of the financial landscape over the last six years. Um, but I also feel like that the players have backed themselves into a corner by a lack of engagement. And, and I, in this really weird uh, situation, I almost expect that there's going to be a deal by Monday because I think the players are, are boxed in. And, and I think they are going to wind up taking a bad deal uh, because the alternative is just un, unthinkable. It's uh, something that uh, they really can't consider. I, I actually because of how this has played out, believe that they will wind up making a deal. Wow. Okay. You know, Buster, I have been very much on the player side, and I think at least a lot of the social media people out there have been on the player side. I'm not saying they're 100% right, but I have largely agreed with the players. I had somebody yesterday raise an interesting counterpoint that said the players have the strongest union of any of the four major sports. They really don't have it that bad. How do you respond to that? Well, I think they have historically, but what I feel like has happened, they, they've lost a lot of financial ground. Like they blew the negotiations in 2016. And I think what happened um, in this round of talks is that, you know, they, they uh, have basically tried to get all that ground back uh, uh, in one fell swoop. I think they would have been much better served to have comments or excuse me, have conversations about monetizing, you know, individual efforts that Major League Baseball was doing whether it's last year expanded playoffs or, you know, on-field initiatives to you know, get players to go along with the idea of hitters standing in a box. All those things could have been explored and they really weren't. And now, you know, they're in this all or nothing corner. So on one hand, you know, I agree with you that I think the, the owners have been very draconian and very incrementalist uh, in, you know, in taking financial ground. Um, and a lot of this is on the owners. But I also think the players have done a horrific job of negotiating. And, and I do think that, you know, on both sides, that when this is over, and I think, as I told you, I think there, there's going to be a deal put in place and both sides are going to be holding their noses over it. I hope that the leadership on both sides takes a look at who they have and what's been said and asks the question of, you know what, we need to get to a better place. How do we do that? so that these two sides are working together for their product. You know, Buster, I, I've seen this question a lot. People all over the baseball Twitter sphere wondering, like, do the people in charge of baseball 
actually like baseball. And everybody's run down the list of their individual owners trying to figure out how much they actually like baseball. Let me ask you this about John Henry. What do you think his stance on all of this is? Well, the fact is, is that, uh, you know, he hasn't spoken out against the group uh, and, and, you know, been public and come out and said publicly, look, this is not going to work. And that has happened in the past. You know, 1995, Peter Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, did not like the replacement player plan that the owners had in place. And he said, I'm not going to field a team of replacement players. Um, you know, we've had players in the past speak out on their side saying, look, we need to do something different. We have not seen that kind of uh, outlier leadership uh, in this circumstance. And, you know, that means John Henry's a lot like his, his peers. He, he, you know, he and other owners have the opportunity to be in that meeting room to pound their, uh, you know, fist on the desk and say, this is unacceptable. The idea that we're flirting with the possibility of losing the start of the season, because even if we win this negotiation, everybody's going to lose. He hasn't done it. Hal Steinbrenner hasn't done it. Other owners haven't done it. Uh, somebody needs to do that on the owner's side. ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Buster, let's let's kind of switch up here. You went viral this week. You're always, you know, you've been a very good baseball reporter for a long time. A lot of things you say go viral, but you were everywhere this week with your report about Freddie Freeman saying that uh, there's growing um, skepticism that he'll return to the Braves. Now, you told us that like two weeks ago, and you thought maybe the Dodgers would be in play for Freeman. My question to you is, as a Red Sox fan, should I be nervous about the Yankees swooping in? Yeah, to some degree. Um, you know, there were conversations between Freddie Freeman's camp uh, and the Yankees before the December 2nd lockout. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they were to explore that again after the lockout. Here's the problem for the Yankees. Um, whenever the new you know financial parameters are put in place, it's going to be very difficult for them to carry four players making $30-plus million. They've already got two in Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton. And they want to keep Aaron Judge, and he's going to be in that neighborhood as well. So I, I just have a hard time imagining that it would be workable for the Yankees to sign Freddie Freeman. Now, is it possible? Yeah. Uh, will they explore it? Yes. But um, I, I think it's more likely that Freddie winds up with the Dodgers on, say, a you know, very lucrative four-year contract. Or, and these are two other teams to keep in mind, the New York Mets mm. and the Toronto Blue Jays. That should scare the Red Sox fans, I think, because both of those teams, you know, we initially look at the Mets and we look at the Blue Jays and say, well, they both have first baseman, Mets have Pete Alonso, the Blue Jays have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It, it, you know, neither one of those players is considered to be good defensively. Well, you know what? If you have an opportunity to sign Freddie Freeman and shift those two guys, you know, Pete Alonso, Vlad Jr. to DH, the teams potentially could do that. And both of those teams, have worked around the edge, or at least did before December 2nd, on talking with Freddie Freeman. It's uh, two other teams to watch. Buster, how much do you think is happening behind the scenes now? You know, I don't know if it's legal, illegal, or what. We're no, we know no one's supposed to be talking, but I have this hunch that somehow there's you know player to agent, agent to team, and then back again down the phone line. Is that happening, or is truly nobody talking in negotiations right now? Well, I, I think they're skirting around the edges to some degree. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, executives' wives' phones have been really useful. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> where where. 
you know, there may not be direct contact between a team official and a player, but maybe the, the staffer's wife gives a call and said, look, I, I know somebody who you know who says that maybe this is something that you might want to think about. Mm. Um, I know that. I've heard examples of that. Um, so, I, I, you know, but I think generally speaking that uh, team officials, players uh, have, have not talked that much. I'll give you an example. Earlier this week I was in Nashville and um, you know, I was talking with Mikey Stremsky, the son of the, the the Hall of Famer, who now is an outfielder with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Kirk Casale, a Giants catcher, Tony Kemp, uh, Phil Goslin, other major leaguers working out of Vanderbilt. Uh, and, and Mikey Stremsky and Kirk Casale were telling me that when the lockout started, they were given a 10-week workout program by the San Francisco Giants, and they've gone through that. Mm. Like they've gone through the 10 weeks, and now. I said, so what are you doing now that you've gone through that workout program? They're like, we're just making it up now. You know, maybe we should just repeat what we got, but there's not conversations going on between players, generally speaking, and executives. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider. Buster, on the Yankees front, interesting news to, uh, this week that uh, Paul O'Neill is getting his number retired this year by the Yankees. Now, look, I'm not a Yankees fan, so you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I never thought of Paul O'Neill as number retirable worthy. He's an iconic personality, but I, when I think of the numbers, I don't think like, oh, that guy's a Hall of Famer. I'm probably wrong, and you're going to tell me, but that's my initial thought. No, I, I would agree with you, and it's a shift from where the Yankees were 25 years ago where it felt like it had to be an all-time great, a Hall of Famer to potentially have your number retired. Um, but I think that the, you know, the bar is generally being lowered, um, you know, throughout the sport, uh, you know, you and I have talked about the hall of fame and what it takes to get in there. That is definitely downshifted. I would say this, you know, I covered Paul's last four years as a major leaguer, uh, for the New York times. I'm really happy for him. He was no doubt the heart and soul of those, uh, you know, the championship teams, you know, uh, four championships in six years, played in the world series five times in six years. Um, and I love covering him. You know, I, I, you know, Paul was someone who was so passionate about what he did. You know, I remember Jose Cardinal, their first base coach, you know, telling me stories about how when, uh, when Paul would make an out, he'd run past first base and his head would be down and he would say, I'll never get another hit. <laughs> uh, you know, if the team, you know, if, uh, he went five for five and the Yankees won, you couldn't find him as a reporter. He didn't like talking about himself. But if they went, if he went over five and made an error and they lost, he would be waiting at his locker to talk to you because he felt like he needed to be accountable to teammates. He was a terrific player, not a Hall of Famer, terrific player, but he was absolutely the emotional soul of that team. And Buster, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, he did hit two home runs for a sick kid in an episode of Seinfeld. So he he did he was able <laughs> to do that. So <laughs> Buster only. Yep, exactly. Buster only of ESPN. Buster, we appreciate the time as always. Hopefully next week when we talk, there's a deal as you suspect. I hope it's okay for the players that there is, but hopefully there's a deal. All right, Brady. Thank you.